You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Many other people went up with them. Some other people got saved. God wanted all the people of Egypt saved. Please understand, everybody had the opportunity to follow God's instructions. The blood of the lamb applied personally. And the blood of the lamb applied, the death angel would pass over you. There would be no judgment at your house, in your life. In the story of the last plague of Egypt, God sends the angel of death to take the firstborn of every household, unless blood was placed on the doorframe of the house. The Israelites did this, and so did some Egyptians, and they were saved. In today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you that God always gives people chances. Every single person in Egypt had the option to obey, but we all make mistakes. We can all be stubborn, but God always gives us the chance to repent and turn back to Him. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus chapter 12 as he continues his message, Deliverance from Egypt. why they would do it, but the next verse, verse 7, the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. Don't you have enough frogs? Why are you creating more? Or however, whatever they did. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. And notice what verse 8 says. Isn't this amazing? Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I'll let you go to offer sacrifices. And then Moses leaves. He prays. God takes away the frogs. Verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. Don't raise your hand. Ever know anybody that's gotten some good Christian counseling? And they initially say, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And then as soon as things get better, we'll leave that for now. Then verse 16, chapter 8, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. Aaron does this, and out of the dust, gnats. I love verse 18, chapter 8. But when the Egyptians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. And the gnats were on men. And animals. This is the dividing line between the power of Satan and the power of God. Don't you love Genesis 2 7? God formed the first man, He formed him from the dust of the ground, formed him from the dirt. And then it says He breathed into him 
the breath of life. The only power Satan has is the power of death. Counterfeit miracles, yes, but it says he's the one that holds the power of death. God holds the power of life. I said God holds the power of life. And he can, he can out of just deadness, deadness, bring life. And Satan can't do that. And the magicians, verse 19, said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Now his own magicians are saying, this is God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard. He would not listen. That's the fourth time. Then verse 20, the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh and say the same thing. This is what the Lord says. But if you don't let him go, then I'm going to send swarms of flies. It's flies. But I love verse 22. But on that day, I'll deal differently with the land of Goshen. That's where the Israelites are. And they don't experience any of the plagues. God sends the flies. And then Pharaoh again, verse 28 says, I'll let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord in the desert, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. Pray for me. He's a hard heart, but he still wants prayer. I've met a lot of Pharaohs over the years. Moses said, as soon as I leave, I'll pray for you. Tomorrow the flies will leave. Moses prays, the flies leave, verse 32, but this time also Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. Then you get to chapter 9. I hope you're not getting tired. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go, etc., etc." And if you don't, this time I'm sending a plague on your livestock. And God does that. The last of verse 7, yet his heart, Pharaoh, was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. Then he sends a plague of boils. I mean boils. Even the magicians uh, get these boils, and they can't stand before Pharaoh because of all the boils on their bodies. And Pharaoh, of course, had them too. But verse 12, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. I want you to catch now chapter 9. you got to see this because it relates to something I said in the beginning. Verse 15, by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. And why doesn't God do that? Because he wants the people in Egypt to be saved. That's why. He said, I could have wiped you off the earth. Then he sends a plague of hail. The middle of verse 24, or verse 24, hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron and says, okay, we've had enough hail, enough storm. Pray, God take it away. And Moses said, when I've gone out of the city, I'll spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop. Hail will stop. But he says to him this time, verse 30, chapter 9, but I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord. You still don't fear the Lord. 
And verse 34, when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. Then you get to chapter 10. Come on, come on, hang with me. Moses goes to Pharaoh again. And this time, if you don't listen, I'm sending locusts. Locusts. And they're going to cover the ground. It'll be dark. There'll be so many. Verse 13, Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt. The Lord made an east wind blow across the land. All that day and all that night by morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. And then Pharaoh again says, okay, I've had enough. Pray for me. Pray to the Lord. And I bet you'll never guess, verse 20, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go. And then this next to the last one is fascinating to me. Darkness. Darkness. I mean, look what it says. Verse 22, so Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or leave his place for three days. Can you imagine? Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. And then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go, worship the Lord, but leave your flocks and herds. Moses says, we can't go without them. We're going to offer sacrifices to our God. Verse 27, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight. Make sure you do not appear before me again. The day you see me, my face, you will die. And Moses said, okay, I will never appear before you again. The plague of darkness is extremely interesting to me because the sun disk is the most familiar symbol the Egyptians used in ancient Egypt. It's in all their art. If you look at it, I Googled it today and found quite a bit. It's connected with their chief god, Ra. He was said to be the creator. And it's one of the many gods that Egypt worshipped. Darkness now. And then you get to chapter 11. Now the Lord has said to Moses, I'll bring one more plague on Pharaoh in Egypt. After that, he'll let you go from here. And when he does, he'll drive you out completely. Tell the people that men and women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I'll go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her right, who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there ever has been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark. Not a dog will bark at any man or animal, then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And it says Moses left now and he's angry. No doubt he's angry because of Pharaoh's hardness of heart. And the Lord said, Pharaoh will refuse to let you go. 
And then you get to chapter 12. Wake up. Wake up. This final plague is going to do the job, but it's not really the plague that does the job. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, chapter 12, in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Verse 6, take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Verse 13, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And of course, that's where we get the title, Passover. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt, the world. Verse 15, for seven days, you're to eat bread made without yeast. This is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It begins right after you slay the Passover lamb and put the blood on your house. They're inseparably linked together, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Verse 17, celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Verse 28, eat nothing made with yeast. Yeast in the Bible represents evil. It represents sin. The people again bow down to worship the Lord. And then you get to chapter 12, verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was loud wailing in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. Can you imagine how awful that was? And during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go, worship the Lord. Take your flocks, take your herds. And also bless me. He's still looking for the blessing of the Lord, but he'll never get it until he humbles himself. And repents. The Egyptians, verse 33, urged the people to hurry and leave the country. Get out of here. Get out of here. Verse 36, the Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. Little side note, little side note. Why did God give them all the stuff, all the riches, all, the, all that? Because they're going to build a tabernacle to worship the Lord. And it's from these things that God has the Egyptians be favorably disposed and gives them that they give their free will offerings to have the tabernacle constructed. That's pretty cool. One last verse, verse 38, chapter 12. Many other people went up with them. Some other people got saved. God wanted all the people of Egypt saved. Please understand, everybody had the opportunity to follow God's instructions. The blood of the lamb applied personally. And the blood of the lamb applied 
The death angel would pass over you. There would be no judgment at your house, in your life. It is uh, incredible, and I don't know if everybody, I don't want to assume people just know this. Some of you guys have been in Bible teaching churches maybe a long time, and, uh, and you know the Bible fairly well, but some of us may not. But it's incredible the parallels between the plagues and the vision of the revelation that John got and what's coming upon the world during the seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. It's interesting that Revelation chapter 11, during that time, God will send two witnesses. We do not know their names, but they are prophesied about. I'll give power to my two witnesses. I think it's interesting that God sent two, Moses and Aaron, in Egypt. And I'll give power to my two witnesses, and they'll prophesy for 1,260 days, basically three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth, Zechariah chapter 4. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouth and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. And then it says, these men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they're prophesying, and they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. So during this 1260 days, these two witnesses in the tribulation period are, are prophesying. They have power similar to what God did through Moses and Aaron. Very interesting. Exodus chapter 7, the Nile turns to blood. Revelation chapter 8, verse 8, uh, not only do these two witnesses have power to turn uh, water into blood, uh, God's going to sovereignly have a third of the sea during that period turned into blood, literally. Fascinating. Exodus chapter 9, verse 23, is the hail. Revelation chapter 16, verse 21, prophesies during the tribulation period, God's going to send huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each. Wow. A hundred pounds each. That's some serious damage. Exodus chapter 10 verse 13 is the locust. Revelation chapter 9. Let me read you the whole context. When he opened the abyss, that's a literal place down below where right now there are some demons that aren't free to roam throughout the earth and possess people and things like that. They're bound with chains in a place called the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke of a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They're demonic locusts. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth. So it's not like the literal locusts that came uh, in the Egyptian plagues. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die. But death will elude them. I'm not planning on being around during that time. I hope you're not either. Exodus chapter 10 is the darkness. 
Revelation chapter 16 prophesies during the tribulation period when Antichrist will be in power and empowered by Satan. It says there'll come a point where God will plunge the kingdom of Antichrist into darkness. And it says it's a darkness that can be felt. Wow. You want darkness? God says, I'll give you darkness. Here's some final points, and I hope you don't miss them. It's only the blood of the Passover lamb that enables anybody to be delivered from Egypt. Do you get that? The final plague was the plague on the firstborn, but it was the blood of the lamb that saved them. It was the blood of the lamb that kept them from dying. And it's only the blood of the lamb. I love this scripture. Say it with me. Come on, let's say it. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're set free. We're set free. We're redeemed. Jesus said, whoever has the Son, he's crossed over from death to life. Wonderful. Once I've personally applied the blood of the Lamb, I'll naturally begin to purge the leaven from my life. Say this one with me. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Just a natural thing. Once the blood has been applied personally, inseparably linked to the Passover feast is the feast of unleavened bread. They can't be separated because someone who's really applied the blood naturally, naturally then begins to purify and let the Lord purify their lives. A couple more quick. I had to put this one down because it's part of the story. Faith and patient endurance is a daily Christian requirement. I don't know if you've discovered that. They weren't delivered right away. And they had a problem with that. Moses uh, didn't like that. And again, again, I hope you got the point. Why? Why the succession of the plagues? Why? Because God's patient. He doesn't just want the Israelites to be saved. He wants Egypt to be saved. He wants the world to be saved. We don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who faith and, through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. This is a really good one here. Come on, say this one with me. We're almost done. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And then one more. And we'll say this one together. I've already said it a few times. God's delay is because he wants all men to be saved. I mean, why in the world would we want to, why in the world would we want to stay here any longer than we have to? Paul says, hey, I have a desire to depart, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. I'm actually envious that my friend Ed Norman beat me there. And the only reason the only reason for God's delay is he wants to make himself a witness to the world and he wants to use us as witnesses to the world because he loves the world and he wants the world to be saved. Last one. Say it with me. Come on, I'll let you go. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish 
but everyone to come to repentance. Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Exodus on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teaching throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube page as well to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos, and feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition, we'd really like to meet you in person. Come join Pastor Danny for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m., Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m., and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We will also be live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We're so glad that you tuned in, and we encourage you to keep reading. There's much more to learn in this study of Exodus, and Pastor Danny will continue exploring this Old Testament book when you join us next time, right here on The Living Word.